Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your Christian friends. Humility is one of those virtues that everybody loves to espouse and, and hear about and discuss, and everybody agrees is valuable and important. But it's another thing to talk about, and it's another thing to, to live it, to actually carry it out. This morning's lessons, you probably noticed very clearly in the first lesson, was all about humility, very clear. You probably saw it also in the gospel, that Jesus was addressing that matter of humility in his situation as well. What may not be as clear is where did you see humility in our second lesson, our text for this morning from Hebrews. Did you notice how many times the word humility was, was mentioned in that text? You would need exactly zero fingers to count it. Because it's not mentioned. So why would that serve as a text for humility this morning? Because although it doesn't mention the word humility, really all of those verses in Hebrews show us exactly what humility looks like. So without even saying the word, we see humility in our text from Hebrews this morning. And what it looks like is serving others. There was a, a I don't know how long ago now, but a, a term I kind of guess made up in a sermon some time ago called othering. And, and it was just a, a word that embodied what we're called to do as Christians, othering, turning it into a verb that we are here to other, we are here to serve others, not self. And really that's what humility is all about. It recognizes that my time on here on earth is not for me, it's for others. And so as we wrap up our, our sermon series, pushing past the paradox this morning, that is the great paradox, isn't it? The, the, the paradox between humility and greatness. Because as I said, while people will acknowledge that, that humility is a good thing, the world doesn't go quite so far as to call it great. If you look and, and you see all of the stepping stones on the path to greatness the way the world sees it, humility is not going to be one of those stepping stones. There are no award ceremonies that give away a little golden statue for humility. There aren't any certificates or awards for being the most humble. Followers don't flock to humility on Instagram. Humility is not something that the world praises or even recognizes all that much, aside from paying it lip service once in a while. What the world does praise, what the world does focus on and celebrate is, is me. It's you. Find it within yourself. Try harder. You can do better. It, it's there with all the strength that you have. You can do it. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I love personal growth and development, but if the goal of personal growth is simply personal growth for the sake of growth and not to serve others, then I fear that, that we've missed the point of growing. To read books, to gain knowledge, all for yourself is one thing, but if it's not used in service to others, then what value is it? And so unsurprisingly, if we are going to look for an example of humility, 
probably about the last place that we would look today is, is in the world. Instead, we look to the text that we have before us this morning from Hebrews. And that is where we see what humility looks like. That is where we see humble greatness. What does it look like? I suppose it's not shocking. The very first verse sets the tone where the writer to the Hebrews says, keep on loving each other as brothers. Not a one-time action, not a one and done, but keep on loving each other. So that the focus there is me loving you, not, hey, are you loving me? Hey, not, I'm not feeling the, the love from somebody else, but keep on loving your brothers and your sisters. And that is really, if we're going to talk about humility, what it's all about. Here's an, kind of an irony when it comes to humility. It's unique in this way. Anybody who says to himself, well, I am going to try to be a more humble person, is setting himself up for failure. Why? Does that mean you can't be more humble? No. But here's the problem with that approach. If you are focused on becoming more humble yourself, guess where your focus is on? You. So how do you validate if you are becoming more humble? Somebody else acknowledges it? Somebody else praises you? Somebody else says, hey, I've noticed you're really becoming more humble. And as we said in the children's message, what happens? Oh, I am pretty humble, aren't I? So as we try to focus inward, guess what? That is the playground for pride. So the key to actually becoming more humble is not saying to yourself, I want to try to be more humble, but it's actually living it. It's focusing less on how to do it and actually more on doing it, which is genuine service to others. When you are putting others first, guess who you're not focusing on? You and how humble you are. Instead, you are focusing on others and serving them. And that's why this, this text, these, these verses from Hebrews, uh, do such a nice job of really embodying what humility looks like because to a T, they almost seem as if they are this disjointed, just random thoughts that the writer to the Hebrews had. But in fact, as we look at each of them, they really are humility carried out, aren't they? They're really ways that we can serve others. As, he, as we already said, keep on loving each other as brothers really sets the tone, doesn't it? But each example after that is really humility in practice. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for, by, doing, for so, by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. That's humility. A stranger, somebody, I'll, I'll serve, I'll care for people I know, my family members, but what about strangers? That's an act of humility to put their needs before me. And to realize that though this is likely a reference to Abraham entertaining the angels, every day that you go out into the world, you have an opportunity to serve strangers in the grocery store, at the bank, before the teller. Every opportunity that you have to interact with another person is some way that you can serve that person. Instead of focusing on, i got to get this done and I have to be from here to there by this time and, and I'm so busy, I don't have time to serve other people. Service to strangers, entertaining strangers, is humility. Remember those in, in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Surely, because of the rest of the context of Scripture allows it, 
we can make a blanket statement and say that, in general, anybody in prison is included here. But more than likely, considering the time, the writer to the Hebrews probably had in mind Christians who were imprisoned for their faith and Christians who were suffering for their faith. To think about them as if you were suffering right there with them or in place of them, that's an act of humility, isn't it? Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. We usually use that passage as, as a, a blanket condiment, and it is. Don't get me wrong, God is judging very clearly. But what he's also emphasizing is that marriage is not about you, it's about your spouse. How many marriages uh, have you heard that have fallen apart because my spouse didn't this, my spouse didn't that, instead of I didn't this for my spouse? I didn't approach marriage as this agreement, this commitment to say, this is the training ground to put my spouse first and to serve my spouse before even myself. That's an act of humility, isn't it? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. When I recognize in humility as God's law exposes my sin that I deserve nothing from God, then I'm able to see that anything at all that I have from God is something for which to be grateful. That everything that I have is, is a reason to offer up thanksgiving to God. And that everything I have then is also something for which I can be content, with which I can be content, right? That I'm satisfied with what God has chosen to bless me with when I realize I deserve none of it. Humility. And then it finally shows itself as the writer to the Hebrews encourages us in verse 7 to remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That, that I, in, in arrogance, don't disregard those that God placed in my life to, to share and pass on these precious truths. My, my grandparents, my, my parents, teachers, pastors, Sunday school teachers, whatever the list, whoever they are, to remember them. And notice that the writer doesn't say just imitate their behavior, but imitate their faith because that's what leads to the behavior. To imitate their faith is what leads to humility. Do you see why this is such a key theme in Scripture, humility? Why God is so concerned? Why you see again and again and again this encouragement to, to be humble? Because it's really a reflection of what God desires of all people to love others. And only when I am humble can I love others the way God has called me to, to, to selflessly put them before, before me. The, Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, gave the most beautiful description uh, of humility and the, the reason behind it. It says in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Notice, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Do you realize that, that Paul doesn't say, hey, the goal is to be humble? It's not. The goal, he says very clearly, is to consider others better than yourselves and to value other people's interests above your own. And when you do that, you are acting in humility. So the goal is to put the others first, and lo and behold, that looks an awful lot like humility, doesn't it? 
And if you have, have never bothered to continue beyond those verses, I would encourage you when you get home today to read the rest of that chapter in Philippians. That is the, the clearest picture on Christ's humility. So if we want to talk about humility and the perfect embodiment of it, Paul goes on to describe it beautifully in the verses that follow. As we seek to be humble, we are merely a reflection of the one who demonstrated perfect humility for us. To be in awe of Jesus. Because as I mentioned, when Jesus came to to our earth, to our planet, when God clothed himself in flesh, he was the one person who had every right to lord it over everybody else. And yet he didn't. Rather than lording it over anyone, he humbled himself beneath the lowest of the low. And that humility took him to the cross. And that payment on the cross was for the sins of those who are arrogant, who have no right to be. Those who are proud, who have no right to be. Those who are filled with false humility, who have no right to be. That payment was for you and me. That was a perfect act of humility. And, and the beauty of it is that Jesus didn't do all of that just to leave us with a fine example of humility to follow. He did that so that heaven would be open. He did that so that we could spend eternity with him. Not if we were humble like him, but because he was humble for us. Because he humbled himself and became, as Paul says, obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the difference that that makes is now, having been filled with his humility, we can serve others with that same humility. Do you see why, why this theme of humility is so treasured? It's, it's yes, because God desires us to, to love others. That's really the summary of the Ten Commandments. But it's also such a key theme in Scripture because you can't discuss humility apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus alone was perfect humility for us. So so any topic, any subject, any discussion on the matter of humility is going to draw us to the one who was perfectly humble in our place. And because of his humility, because we know what he has done for us, we can serve others in the same manner. And the church, the Christian faith, is really a unique, special place in which we can foster that spirit of humility. Why? Because it's here that we listen again and again and again to Jesus tell us that our value and our worth is not in our ability or our achievements or our accomplishments. It's not who you are or who you know. Our worth is based on what he has already declared us to be, forgiven. He has already, by his payment and his perfect life, said, You are everything that is necessary to get in heaven, and I am absolutely delighted with you. And so with that confidence, guess what I'm not concerned about? I'm not concerned about living up to others' expectations or comparing myself to them or living up to their standard of measurement because I already matter to the one whose opinion of me matters most. And that frees us to serve in humility. 
But there's also a downside to, to this setting, to the Christian church, because you better be aware that the devil is not going to let humility just rest on its own wherever he sees it. In fact, he despises it. He hates humility. Because the opposite of humility was his downfall, wasn't it? Pride. And so wherever the devil notices humility, he is going to do what he can to twist and change and transform it, to manipulate it and turn it back into pride. And so if the church is all about serving one another, guess where he's going to be working hardest? Amongst those who are, are humble to get us, to convince us to feel pride in our humility. There are so many ways that, that we can serve within the church. But we also have to constantly check if I'm serving out of pride or genuine humility. Am, am I willing to serve in this position or that position because of a title that is associated with it? Or am I not willing to serve in that position because it's beneath me and I'm too proud in that way? Can we have a, a discussion about tithing and giving? Because I'm more than happy to talk about that if it means that others are going to know how generous I am. Can we talk about church attendance? Uh, again, all of these things which are opportunities to humbly serve others, but also ripe fields for the devil to work in his playground with pride. So what are, we, what are we to do? Are you totally discouraged now to say, well, wait a minute, so do I be humble or not because I'm afraid of pride? What, what's the answer? Well, the answer is that, that we take the, the firm confidence that the writer to the Hebrews did. The reminder that God has said, even in our arrogance, even in our pride, even in our, our, our days that we are filled with the highest opinion of ourselves, in spite of that, he says... Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And if he is my helper, and if he will never leave me, even on my worst days when I am just filled with the ugliest pride, he still forgives me, he still stands by my side, that frees me. It frees me to serve in humility, not out of fear that the devil might twist it into pride but out of joy and gratitude for the Jesus who humbly served me first and for the Jesus who showed me that true greatness is really found in humility. Amen.